Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here live from the Philadelphia Convention Center in your first time in Philadelphia. First time really in Philadelphia, right across from the uh, Reading Terminal Market, so been there too, out in Chinatown. But we also have a guest. We do. Jake Landau is here from It's Called Soccer Podcast. Who's that? What's that? <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. So, yeah, we met Jake yesterday. He's a fellow podcaster on Podcast Row. He's on the other side. He's on the, I don't know what direction that is, south side? West side? West side. I, I have no idea. I don't know. He's on the other side. West side. I have no idea. I don't know my sense of direction, but he's on the other side of Podcast Row. Next to Jonathan Ward UWS Week. How are you doing, Jake? I'm doing wonderful. Love the energy here. It's very rare that you get to talk to so many people that love the game as much as you, so... Yeah, and uh, Sebastian and I don't record every podcast live, so um, it's our once-a-month like live episode that we, we're recording right next to each other. So there's there's extra energy in this. Yeah, normally, yeah, we normally don't yeah. look. Yeah, we normally don't. We're not together, so it's a, it's it's a, it's it's a rare occasion that we. Well, actually, I feel like we constantly say this, but it feels like it's more and more we actually do record right next to each other quite a bit. Oh yeah, I mean, with our first guest of 2023, you know, I, I hooked that up. You know. You did. I hope now, that. Now I've been treated. So uh, Alex Carrington, he's a Philadelphia Union uh, group sales manager. We have a good relationship with him. So we went up to his office right outside of uh, Subaru Park. Yeah, in Chester. Yeah, in so Chester. we, so we, we, entered, we, we. I mean, granted, it was a pretty cool view. We, uh, we could see that building. Oh, yeah, we could, we could see, we, we could see the, we could see the stadium from from our from where we were sitting in our office. So that was nice. Um, all right, so. Uh, Jake, we're gonna talk. We're gonna we're basically running the, the entire episode, and you're just you're 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 with us. Um, so uh, let's talk about your podcast. How did it start? Uh, it's called Soccer. How did it start, and what do you talk about? Yeah, so the podcast started about a year and a half ago in the summer of 2021. I was living in London at the time, actually, so I just moved back in September of this year. Um, and I felt like I needed a way to just connect back to what I was really passionate about, which was U.S. soccer. And I was living in London. They had a lot more lockdowns than we had here, um, a bit more strict rules. So I was just looking for a way, being stuck in my house, to really get a connection back to the U.S. And this was a way to do it. So my co-host I met on a U.S. soccer discord, uh, Tom, if you're listening, if you're out there. Uh, he was with us yesterday at Podcast Row as well. He's a PhD student at Penn State. I'm a UEFA licensed coach. I got those when I was over in London. So we kind of take that perspective of the coaching, the stats, the nerdiness, and the passion for the game. That's really what it's all about. So mostly it's covering the national team's men and women, tracking our Yanks abroad, who's in Germany, England, uh, even the Netherlands now, like anyone that's abroad. We've got a big country there, man. Yeah. Belgium. 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 Who's our Yank in Belgium? Our main Yank from Delaware. I mean, Mackenzie? McKenzie? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Mark McKenzie. I actually had a chance to interview Mark McKenzie and Austin Trustee when they were at the Union a long time ago. I was covering the Union for a now defunct uh, nice. publication. But yeah, Mark McKenzie was a beast. Mark McKenzie, I guess, Junior. Junior. Because uh, we we have we've had Mark McKenzie senior. Oh, no. We've had Mark McKenzie senior. We've had his dad on the podcast before. His dad's a referee. His dad his dad's a referee in our in our state. So we we've had him on our podcast before. Um, so how do you? What's your take on the 2022 World Cup uh, and how the U.S. Men's National Team did? Yeah, I want to 
I want to pause here because I feel like there's a lot of content creators that track the U.S. men's national team that are very focused on what's happening not on the field, whether it's about the drama with GRA or there were so many things happening before that qualification, the 2017 debacle. I'm trying to just enjoy the game for what it is, and I love the national team. It's fun to follow the Mackenzies of the world all across. So for me, it was great to qualify. That was like bottom level. We had to do that. It was great to see the U.S. back in the World Cup. For the World Cup itself in 2022, I feel like we hadn't seen a, a string of three performances like we saw in the group stage from the national team up until that World Cup. They were amazing performances. I mean, five points, undefeated, gave up one goal from not the run of play. So it was a great group stage. I feel like we could have done more in that Netherlands match, but for me, it was all about the depth in our midfield. We basically ran Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa into the ground, and they didn't have the legs to cover what we needed them to against the Netherlands. But yeah, I'm, I'm proud of the team. I'm happy for the boys, and especially now, knowing what was happening, kind of like the turmoil under the scenes. I'm genuinely, like, I can't believe that we actually got out of the group stage and kind of like everything kept insulated from all the fans and the, the media. But now that we know that we know, I feel like that, that had to have held us back against the Netherlands. I mean, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say that uh, U.S. soccer should suspend the parents, Gio, and Greg Berhalter. I don't know for what amount of time, probably like an, a year. I mean, I, I mean, Gio has to take responsibility for it. Greg has to take responsibility for it. Um, the parents have to take responsibility for it. I think Gio being a, um, I mean, his father being a staple in U.S. soccer, kind of disrupted his legacy um, with the the, uh, the comments that came out and really like with the young and with our team being very young and not having really veteran players, Tim Reen being the veteran um, you're, you're disrupting the path and you're also opening up a can of worms not only for the national team but for every youth club in America because if you can do it at the highest level in U.S. soccer then you can do it at any level and we, we already have enough to deal with with the parents but if your parents are going to come in and play mommy daddy ball yeah. at the national team I mean it was classic gonna, there's nothing more American soccer than having yeah. American soccer parents disrupt the team's and, culture and especially when you're looking at you know us looking at getting coaches that aren't American you know they were looking at Pep Guardiola they're looking at Zinedine Zidane they're looking at you know other options they're not going to want to come over and deal with that that nonsense because no other country has that to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I think the future kind of lies in how we sell it and how we pitch it as a federation, but even that is kind of the insulary group of who's at fault for this drama. So, yeah, whether it's Zinedine Zidane, whether it's Guardiola, Simeone, some amazing coach from Europe, I feel like we have to sell them on the fact that this is going to be the golden age of U.S. soccer 2026 in our home grounds. And do you want to be the person that's responsible for potentially bringing us the furthest that we've ever gotten in the World Cup? And that's how you have to sell it. Yeah. At home. So everyone's going to be behind you. You're going to have an amazing team that just got, you know, they were the second youngest team at the World Cup. They got to the, the knockout round. So how far can you take this team? We also have a lot of money at the Federation for coaches. I feel like that has to be a pull. So there's, there's ways to sell it. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a really difficult moment to see who comes next after Burhalter. Well, what do you think about the fact that the U.S. doesn't have to qualify for the World Cup, for the next World Cup? And we, the type of conversation we've had before with Duane of, like, 
what does the U.S. do from a game perspective for the next four years? I mean, you have the Gold Cup, but uh, what, what do you do to get ready? Like, what do you, what's your what's your yeah. take on that? It's really difficult because for us, especially going into 2022, that's the biggest period of us getting really quality competition is that CONCACAF qualifying period. I know everyone else in the world is going to look at CONCACAF and say, uh, you know, you're going past Costa Rica or Honduras. Those are really difficult places to go and play. Yeah. And then you think about Mexico, Jamaica, Canada, all the teams that really gave us fits in qualifying. That all helped prepare us. So you're right, we're not going to have that going into this. The Gold Cup has to kind of be where we set our sights on tournament soccer and really like build ourselves into group stage knockout rounds, all of that. But I think Copa America is going to be huge. That's pretty much confirmed. Tyler Adams spoke on Men in Blazers a few weeks ago saying that you know, that's going to be a tournament that the U.S. is going to be involved in. So we are going to have tournament soccer, not just Gold Cup. We're going to have Copa America that's going to be hosted in the U.S. That's also going to make it a little bit more difficult. You know, you want to go into those really hostile places to test yourselves. We're going to be at home, but still to get the Brazils, the Argentinas, the Chiles, all those teams are going to come to the U.S. We're going to be playing them in high-pressure games. That's going to be really important. And also, like, I think we can take a page from the U.S. women's national team. They took a lot of heat because they lost four games in a row for the first time last year. But they played Germany, England, and I'm forgetting the other team. But we need to play exhibitions against the best teams in the world. I feel like when we had Klinsmann as coach, we did that. We test ourselves a lot, especially going to Europe. We played against Italy, Netherlands, all of that helped prepare us. But, you know, coming back here, thinking about 2026, we probably need to start thinking about that now. Who can we play? Where do we play them so that we make it difficult on ourselves? Really help prepare the team mentally for what that's going to look like in, in the competition. And the hard part is the fact that you're dealing with... Um, UEFA, who the Nations League, that Nations League, Europe qualifiers, World Cup qualifiers, it just becomes very difficult because you can't play any of those teams because they have full schedules. I do think that there's an opportunity now to for for Canada, the U.S. and Mexico to play against South American teams, which from a South American perspective, they deal with the same thing where they don't have the competition level to play against unless they just play each other constantly. They can't really play out of the out of their own confederation because again, UEFA is not. So now I think there's, a, there's an opportunity for Concacaf and Commonwealth to really like put something together. It'd be really cool if they did something similar to um, the Federations Cup. Either that or either that or even doing similar similar ideas to kind of the She Believes Cup, right? Where you got four teams coming in, you play three games uh, in a in a tournament format to a certain extent, and putting the four teams little round robin tournaments together. I think that'd be a really cool. So that'll be what. Copa America is in 2024. Yeah. We'll have uh, all 10 South American teams and then probably six select yeah. uh, North American and Caribbean teams. So we'll have four four qualifying uh, groups, I guess. Yeah. See what that looks like. But yeah, it has to like that has to be the standard for the US and how we get there to, to really compete in the 2026. I, mean, I think the Olympics becomes big too for us. I mean, the Olympics will be in what, 2024? So I think that's good to see if we have, you know, any maybe like fringe players that didn't come to the World Cup or any younger players that can play in that competition to get them that international experience. I mean, you look at Argentina, Messi played in the, the Olympics, Neymar's played in the Olympics, some of these big name players have played in the Olympics 
we haven't qualified for the Olympics in I don't know how long. Yeah, but and we'll it, be there. We did qualify. We did qualify, so I think that becomes a pivotal tournament, especially because our team is so young. We have some of these younger guys that we can put. Well, I, I also think it's the it's the five over 23 players you can yes. bring in. That'll be the critical piece, right? Because those five players that you bring in have to be players that are going to be potentially... You bring in like a Luca, a Luca De La Torre or something. You got to bring like in players that you know are going to be potentially impact players in 26 that are over 23 but are not 35, right? Like you, you're, you're not going to be able to bring in a 35-year-old just because, oh, well, I want to bring experience. Well, that like considering where the U.S. is right now at this point for 2026, like you said, Dwayne, I think the, the, the Olympics becomes a critical tournament for the U.S. to to find a way to balance not only the youth side of it, and bring in players that are you know 20, 21 years old that will be 23 by the time the, the, the World Cup happens, but also bringing in those five players that are over the age of 23 that are are within that 23 to 28. So that four, 29. It's player number like 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 that you're looking at for your roster. You know what I mean? Like, here's the problem, though. You're not bringing in Brandon Anderson. You're not but, taking Christian but here's, Pulisic. But here's the problem, right? So. It, it, you mentioned Christian Pulisic on this, right? So that's that's the that's the hardest part. When you're dealing with the Olympics, the Olympics are not mandated by FIFA. By FIFA. So so now your five players that you're trying to bring in. So let's just say you decide, you know, in two years you can bring in a. Let's just say, if if we got to pick open roster, right? You would probably say you want to bring in a. Let's just say you said Matt Turner, Christian Pulisic. Um, Eunice Musa, uh, McKinney, Tyler Adams. Right. Right. Let's just say you wanted to bring those five players. Not, none what of are them the are chances? What are the chances all five players you're are going to be alive for zero? Over five. Right. You're over five. Right. You're you're over five. five, right? You're you're Matt Turner, five. depending on where he ends up being, might might be your your only shot that you got. But right? I wouldn't even bring Matt Turner, right? I'm I I'm Matt Turner is my one, right? I've got a I've, like now. I think we had a lot of questions. Is it Zach Steffen? Is it, it Zach Steph? Is it the guy? Is it? It's the next guy that's really battling for that two spot because I've got to find that guy Tom because I don't have qualifying anymore. Right? I mean, Slanina might even be the guy, and he'll be less than. Has he pledged his allegiance yet? Uh, pretty much. He has I mean, pledged his made, allegiance. He hasn't fully committed, but he's made comments that it's it's the U.S. It's not Poland. All right, yeah, he's got to pledge that allegiance. He, no he hasn't stepped on the field in a U.S. kit, which would tie him to it, but. He has made public comments, made an announcement that he's U.S. I gotta see way. his hand over his heart. And the, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta see the national anthem playing before a game. But I mean, I think that's intriguing. And I think, I mean, again, it's 2024. I mean, it's next year. But who else is gonna pop? Who else is gonna pop up in the mix? Because if you think about it, where did Jordan Morris come from? Well, he came from just a training camp where he just balled out. He was in college. He was in college. Time. He yeah. was a training. They were training with Stanford. And they said, well, how do we miss this kid? So is there another kid out there that we just pops up and, we, and he's an over-23 player somewhere? I'm, the thing that I can tell you 100% is that there's going to be a name next year that none of us knew about or yeah. cared about that is going to pop off For and sure. be in Europe at some point soon. Well, I think Brandon Vasquez is one because that kind of maybe answers your nine question. He, he balled out in MLS this year, scored a ton of goals. That might answer your question. But I think for the Olympics, that's got to be the... Like, lose in the group stage but score 10 goals doing it right like if you for some reason score 10 goals and you lose in the group stage and you're out hey at least we figured out that we know how to score goals i mean that was our biggest that's still our biggest problem right yeah. that's Benign. a problem i mean center backs a 
I don't, I don't say it's a problem. It's kind of just selecting who it, who it needs to be. Yeah. We, we know who it isn't. It's not Tim Ream and it isn't Walker Zimmerman. Yeah, definitely I mean, isn't Walker Zimmerman. Tim Ream's going to be 39 at the next World Cup. He's 35 now. What's stopping him? Tiago Silva's the same at 39. Uh, Tim Ream and Tiago Silva are not in the same. <laughs> <laughs> are not in the same. They might both be playing in the Premier League, but they are not in the same sentence. He might have more goals. I don't say, know how many goals Tiago Silva has. Fulham two, one Chelsea. Yesterday, oh, yeah, Chelsea go. sucks. I mean, where's Chelsea Silva play? Tim Ream's the Chelsea captain of Fulham. Suck. Sixth <laughs> in the table. There you go, I mean, Williams scored for Fulham. <laughs> um, all right, so let's shift gears towards 2023 this women's. Is a, this is a London guy right here, man. Fulham and Chelsea. <laughs> women's women's World Cup. Yeah. What do you forecast out of New Zealand, Australia World Cup, and in, in the summer? It's tough to say because of that run of games and the run of form that we had last year. We've, we've never done as poorly in terms of results as that. However, it's really mirroring. Uh, I wrote about this on the It's Called Soccer Substack a few days ago. It's really mirroring what happened in 2018 and 2019. Essentially, we got smacked out of the Olympics uh, and we kind of had to do a team reset. We had to find depth of players that were specifically players that could break through the lines because we lost against a Swedish team at the Olympics that really just dropped back, played defensively. They know how to beat you. Yeah, and, and they used that to their advantage, and, the, and they beat us, and it was the earliest time that we've ever gotten knocked out of the Olympics. So for us, going into the next year after that... No, go ahead. You're yeah. good. The year after that, we really had to reset ourselves, find that player between the lines, and make sure that we could be teams that would do that. Because that was essentially the blueprint for how to beat the U.S. Women's National Team. Right. I feel like last year created the blueprint for everybody watching on how to beat the U.S. Women's National Team. We're also going through a generational shift as well right now. I mean, you think about the names that you know, Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, all of them are becoming a little older, still some of the best in the world, but then you see, like, the draft last night for the NWSL, there's a 17-year-old that's taken straight out of high school, doesn't commit to college, commits to the NWSL, made her debut for the women's national team, senior team. So there's a generational shift that we have to go through. All of that is coming on the back of us going through our worst run of form ever. It's really hard. The rest of the world is catching up to women's soccer. If we win this one, it'll be the third in a row for the U.S. So I don't want to say we're falling off. It's just it's make it's getting harder every year as more teams catch up. Well, I think the I think the, the biggest thing, and I've we talked about this uh, last week. We, we talked about this. We, we've ta- I've had this conversation with with many people before over the last couple of years. I felt like, especially after the Euros, I feel like after the Women's Euros, we, we saw this. Um, so the U.S. Women's National Team, obviously, great success for many many years, decades of success. Um, I think part of it was because the investment that the U.S. the U.S. Soccer in general invested in in the women's in women's sports. Um, beyond the fact that again, all the all the other issues, the, the equal equal pay and everything else, they, they all the the investment they made into talent identification, the way the national team set up and everything else. I think what you're seeing now is the fact that every other country, really to this point, hadn't necessarily spent that much yeah. money into it. All of a sudden, I mean, we saw it with Brazil. Marta spoke out right after a game 
about the fact that it was, you know, investment was needed in Brazil and things like that. I need help. Yeah, basically, yeah, I can't be the only one doing this. Um, so you're, you're, you end up dealing with the idea that um, that the rest of the world is now catching up, but not only catching up because of how good the players are, because the players, I think, have been. But now you've you've actually taken financial, you made a financial investment into developing players. So it's not that the U.S. has always been fantastic; they they have been, but a lot of it has to be, you know. And that's the question of like in that the idea of reinventing yourself is. Did you ever play everybody at their best here, right? Like, that becomes a difficult so, question. So the former coach of the U.S. Women's National Team, Jill Ellis, who yeah. stepped down after the, the last World Cup, she said something about being at the top of the mountain. And when you're the best in the world, you're really competing against yourself to become better, to stay there. And it's, it's much harder to do that than to be the underdog. I think that's where the U.S. Women's National Team is right now, except they're more vulnerable than they've ever been because of the infrastructure, because of the investment that everyone is putting into it. I can say from being in London, I don't think people realize like how, how genuinely big women's football is there. To Not just in the Euros, but the Women's Champions, the women's Champions League, the Women's Premier League. All of that has investment. They have genuine fans, yep. like Barcelona, oh, sold yeah. out Camp Nou yeah. for a women's team. Yeah, hundred thousand, right? It's yeah. it's crazy. So all of this is happening outside of all of the other things that is making the U.S. vulnerable. So we have to be really careful going into this next World Cup. But yeah, it, it, it's not a walk in the park. Um, and like you said, the stars have gotten older. And I don't know, like when Abby Wambach retired, we knew Carly Lloyd was going to be you know, the next person. And I feel like probably a little bit when I was younger then, but Mia Hamm retired, we knew Abby, like we knew who it was. I don't know that we know who it's going to be, right? You, you have some names out there. You know, you throw um, like a Trinity Rodman, who's the highest paid player in WSL, but really, is she ready to live up to that spotlight? You know, Rose Lavelle, is she ready to live up to that spotlight? Like, so like, Who's it going to be? And the same thing, I think, with the goalkeeper position. Um, what's her name? Just retired. She played for the Gotham FC, uh, the goalkeeper. Alyssa Hare. Alyssa Nair? Alyssa Nair. She just retired. Oh. So, like, you know, that was your goalkeeper. So, like, what? there's a lot of spots that need to be filled, and those players have to be able to fill those spots. And, and like you said, stay on top of the mountain. Yeah. I think if you're, if you're a fan of good soccer and you want to watch that, this is going to be a great World Cup because yes. we're not going to go there and smack teams all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be competitive. Exactly. Yeah, if, you, if you're and a real soccer a fan, fan, yeah. If you're a real, like, if you're a soccer player fan, this is going to be the World Cup. If you're, a, yeah. If you're a person that was watching the France Argentina game and it's like, oh, there's six goals and PKs, this might not be the World Cup that you're like yeah. really looking for. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just, it, I'm excited to see. A, I think it'll be interesting to see the time difference. Uh, considering it's going to be yeah, they're not they're not looking out for us on this one. <laughs> no, I, I don't think they can look out for the U.S. Like, we, we've gotten lucky when it was in uh, that other country and Qatar. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see the fact that it's a 32 team World Cup, so that'll that'll bring an extra level. Argentina of, has a shot to get in this year. Hey, man, we're we're in it. Argentina, we're, we're in it to win it. Argentina is going to get into World Cup for the first time, huh? We're in it to win it. No, but, it, but it's Are you Argentinian? I am Argentinian. Nice. Congratulations. So, thank you. He, he brings it up when it's convenient. Yeah. Hey, Which man. is now. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it wasn't convenient when they weren't making the World Cup <laughs> on the women's side. Well, I mean, for, for three years, we didn't have a women's team. <laughs> the, the women's national program was shut down. 
So that was difficult. Oh, misuse of funds, man. What do you it does absolutely. You kind of need a team to. Yeah, you kind of need to play. I mean, we your helicopter, we your helicoptering players out of out of facilities. Uh, we see where the we see where the money's going, right? Difficult situation. We see where the money's going. But 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 I mean, you saw with uh, well, Paraguay played the U.S. a couple of years, or well, last last year, or two years ago, or something like that. And the reason why they they played them, knowing that they were gonna get smacked. Was was a financially? It was a lot of money that, that they were going to be able yeah. to bring to their association, but also just to recognize the fact that to shed light on the fact that, like, listen, here's the we're playing the top, we're playing the best team possible, and they are five, six, seven, whatever it was it goals better than us. If you want us to get here, here's what it's going to take. Yeah. Right? It sheds some light into that. I think that there's a big part of that that's important. Um, it's two sided too, right? Because if you're a Paraguay female in America. You say, hey, I could be on this. I'm better than her. I could be on this national team. It gives you the opportunity, right? Like it, it gives, That's what happened with the Argentina national team. The Argentina national team on the women's side ended up bringing in, started doing the scouting across the U.S. of college players that are Argentinian or have Argentinian parents, and they're now bringing in college players that are playing Division One college soccer. Um, there's a player that played at Gonzaga that was was on the on their on the uh, on the women's national team. With I mean, during the World Cup qualification for the women's side, every team that they played in Concacaf, like their entire team was college players. Yeah, yeah. it's it's almost like it's almost like uh, almost like track and field, right? Yeah. When when the U.S. runs against Jamaica, like oh yeah, there's this Jamaican sprinter from Texas A&M, and it's like it's like these all-star teams. We're you know, we're breeding them, but we're giving them back to. Yeah. I, mean, I heard Sebastian. I heard Sebastian's daughter's on the uh, U6 uh, Argentinian national team. Let's my daughter, go. my daughter. Yeah, man, we're we uh, we got, we're 2043. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to we're trying to we're trying to figure out how to do dual citizenships, just in case. You always want to cover your bases. You never know. I can tell you. I can tell you. My son is. Uh, he got cut already. Yeah, he ain't gonna make <laughs> they cut, it. They cut him. I'm about to become a, a parent next month. So oh, congratulations! Some, congratulations! Some, some tips on creating a soccer superstar from scratch. Uh, even even I your, don't have one. Even I don't have even one year yet. Uh, birth year. Yeah, even your birth years. I mean, 2023. Yeah, so, so we found we've we've done extensive research on this. Uh, we find that even years, for whatever reason, yeah. like, depending on uh, the even year. Screwed? No, no just, because we had a 2003 team that was pretty solid. Pretty good. So, so maybe yeah, the three. Ten, yeah. Maybe the three. Right. The three might help you. Let's go. The three. I, like, I feel like 05s. 04 were, was difficult. So I feel like 05s were. 05s was also some Freakonomics stuff on. Yeah, here. we. Yeah, it's a lot of years of. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of studies. A lot of studies. A lot of players. Nothing. I, nothing published. Though. I know. I feel like, like it really only works in girls soccer. So if you ever have a girl, we might be able to help you. If you ever have a boy, I don't know. Yeah. We might not be able to. It's a boy. Oh, that we. Sorry. It's a toss up. Hit the weights young. Start <laughs> do, those, start do your those kids hands. like soccer? Yeah, my yeah. well, my my daughter, my daughter does play. Uh, she plays again U six recreational yeah. soccer. Um, so she's in the gym. Yeah, yeah, she's oh yeah, she's yeah, she's has to run three miles a day. Uh, no, she she enjoys it. My son uh, is three, uh, so his level of enjoyment only happens when he wants to have yeah. it. Level of enjoyment. 
Uh, so for a lot of the practices, he would go out, score one goal, and then uh, that's it. And that was it. And then he was done. Yeah. Then he was done. He knows when to go out on top. Yeah. He's, the nine, yeah. he's the nine that the U.S. is looking for. There we go. Yeah, he's, yeah, His XGs are astronomical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If my kid doesn't play soccer, then um, there's agencies out there for kids that don't play soccer. Oh my God, that's <laughs> messed up, man. All right, well we're gonna I'm move just on. We're gonna, yeah, we can't. As your child listens to this, I don't have a child. Oh, okay. See, there you go. My future child. Yeah. There you gotcha. Go. Gotcha. Um, but you, you know, you know, him and her might be able to listen to this at some point in the future. And <laughs> yeah, see, oh, 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 see, there you go. See, everything's recorded. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, all right. Well, um, so, so Jake, uh, part of our, we have three staples within our, within our, um, within our podcast. One of them is the player of the match. Uh, the player of the match is uh, is an award that we hand out to who we think this week or this last couple of weeks or whatever it was has done something well. Uh, and uh, it, it can be goal, it can be performance, it can be whatever it is that you want it to be. Uh, so um, I'm gonna I'll start off. Uh, I'm gonna give mine to Messi. Uh, I know it's it's been like three or four three or four weeks in a row. Uh, button on this thing? I don't particularly care. No, there's a, there's a clapping button. Oh, no, that's that's not it. There it is. That's a, there's your applause button right there. Um, uh, only only very much specifically because he came in and scored a goal yesterday for PSG. Uh, or no, Wednesday. Wednesday scores a goal for PSG. Um, a lot of a lot of controversy to the fact that like there was no there was no. Um, no var, no recognition, no recognition, no recognition uh, for for him winning the World Cup. But come on, did you did you really expect Argent? Did you really expect PSG to say, Messi, we appreciate you, even though they're not their owners aren't from France. But thanks for beating us. I mean, I don't know, man. Because I, mean, I guarantee you, if it was flipped, Messi would probably would have asked for a transfer. Maybe uh, in France. He would have been like, get me out of there. If France had won, like, Messi would have been like, get me out of yeah. here. They would have been throwing confetti everywhere. He's going to Miami. It would have yeah. been a second celebration. I mean, I don't know. All I know is that it's it can be easy to to win the World Cup and less than a month later go back to your club, play. Uh, again, I, I just like the fact that he scored a goal. McAllister did it. Yeah, anyone can do that. I know, but I don't know. Anyone can win the World Cup. I just, listen, for, from now on, it's every excuse for the next 12 months it's every excuse to give Messi the player of the match award. Uh, just letting you know right now, I'm giving you, I'm, 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 I'm starting the year telling you, being honest with you about the fact I'm that the team, man. I know. I'm just giving you the, I'm just telling you that any any given week, it's gonna pop out as, and, and it might even be as petty as the fact that, you know what? Four months ago, Messi won the World Cup. That's why he's the player of the match. Um, I know it makes me sound uh, very, very. Argentinian. Very Argentinian. <laughs> uh, but I also will say that for the last three years, I don't know about I've had. I, no, I have. <laughs> there's a lot of there's 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 a wave. I have a back. I have an Argentinian background. Have on there my, been you know, a lot when of you go to a Philadelphia Union game and they say the other team and they yell out "sucks," every time they say Argentina for the next every time he says, I'm gonna just be like "sucks." That's fine. Whatever. Have there been a lot of Messi's as the the player of the week. Um, not. I do. You think, know who hasn't been the player of the week? 
<laughs> Speaking of the union, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, you know who Corey Burke is? Yeah, yeah. yeah Dwayne does not like Corey Burke. I was, so, I was happy. Are you today. a union fan? I am a union fan. Season, season ticket, ticket holder. Season yeah. ticket holder. There we go. When he scored that goal in this in the conference final, I yeah. was like, oh my gosh, not Corey. <laughs> Everybody was cheering. I was like, I can't believe it. So, might have been the only I person mean, there just standing there. Could believe that. But uh, it I was beautiful. I watched, it, it, was I watched him for 18 games. And <laughs> Where was that? <laughs> it's there. Yeah. He might have scored by accident. Though. I think it was an accident. <laughs> I think if you watched the replay, it was an accident. Uh, so there's my player of the match. I'm saying this next to a Philadelphia Union podcast. I know, right? And uh, yeah, you, yeah, you didn't say that last night when I mean, Jim Curry was standing right next to you. Yeah, never. Yeah, he doesn't have anything to say anymore. Yeah. He's a Red Bull player. Um, I'll, all tell, right. I'll tell Jim to his face. <laughs> all right, uh, who is your player of the match, Dwayne? I didn't say when JP was here either. You did not. Uh, my player of the match is going to go to Antu Fati. What a goal. Um, hopefully, he is finally on his way back. Yeah, um, it's been a while. It's been a while. I know, I, I, I get it, right? He was like 18 when he tore his ACL. So, and that's an investment that you really want to protect. So, hopefully, now he's really on his way back. Hopefully, they don't uh, loan in Aubameyang. I don't know if you guys heard about that. Aubameyang is running out of clubs to play for this year. He's on. A, he's out of Chelsea. He can the only go back to Barcelona. Long. I hear he's, Saudi Arabia is looking for players. He can't play. We well, wouldn't be able to play for the rest of the season. Oh, he can only play for two clubs. Uh, two clubs, yeah. So he's, he said he'll play for Barcelona for free. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Ansu Fati. Which, by the way, I don't think we've talked about the fact that not only is Ronaldo going to uh, Al Nasser, but at the same time. His, can't fir- play. his first game is going to be against a PSG, but not as Al Nasser. It's going to be a combined team. It's an all-star team. But Al Nasser has coached all by, the players. By Marcelo Gallardo, uh, <laughs> who's the former River Plate coach, which is a very uh, hard. Goes very, Argentinian. No, 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 because I'm, I'm a Boca fan, so it doesn't really matter. But but it's just a very odd, very odd turn of events as to how this game is going to be set up. Well, it's going to be Al Nasser and friends versus... <laughs> because, I mean, when you look at their squad, they, they've got the best squad. It's easy, and um, it's going to be all of their players because they have all the players that anybody knows that plays in Saudi Arabia. Like, who even knew Luis Gustavo was still playing? Like all, um, all halal is the other one. Yeah, it's a combined eleven. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's just Ronaldo versus Messi yeah, at the end yeah. of the day. And, and that, they got to find them games to play because they can't sign them. What do you mean? They don't. They have too many international players. Oh, no, they right. got rid of Abubakar. Oh, uh, he's wait, gone. Didn't they just come in? Yeah, he's gone. Until <laughs> <laughs> they play playing the he's turnaround gone. midair. Well, yeah. it's either that or PT Martinez, and they realize that they probably need PT Martinez to. Abubakar was the guy that got a red card after he celebrated his goal in the <laughs> yes. World Cup. Yeah, he was like, I, I, like, I would probably, like that's probably yeah. a smart move. Yeah, it's, that's uh, like the Montreal Impact coach that got hired and fired within like 36 hours. Yeah, uh, wasn't my cousin though. So it's all turned the plane around. Wasn't Thierry. <laughs> Jake, player of the match. Jake, yeah. All right, I'm gonna keep it. U.S. centric, and I'm gonna piss off Dwayne. Tim Ream is my player <laughs> of the week. I mean, yes. seriously. Yes. Uh, Fulham is sixth in the table. I thought right we had now. an age cap on uh, player of the match. <laughs> All right, we'll keep the age cap. At you can't have an AARP card. <laughs> I mean, captaining a team that just got promoted has yo-yoed between Premier League and Championship for the last five years. Currently has Fulham at sixth in the table. Marquee win, 2-1 to one against Chelsea. Yeah. Was not at fault for the goal. Neither was Jedi Robinson. I mean, this guy has reinvented himself as 
a, an incredibly talented He should back. captain the U.S. men's national team 30, in 35 is the new 25. <laughs> yeah. um, He's about to pull the Tom Brady. He might be Tom Brady. And then another shout-out, keeping it U.S.-centric, Alyssa Thompson for getting drafted number one yep. to the end of the cell last night. Shout-out to the uh, UWS. UWS. Yeah, there you go. Three out of four picks in, uh, in the NWSL draft. Nice. Yeah. Did you guys have them on the pod yesterday? The no, we were, we, were, we, were there, okay, we were on Okay, there, there we go. There we, we go. go. We go back and forth with them. Yeah. Obviously, we're, we, we uh, both coach the Delaware Diamonds, so we go back and forth with them. Yeah. Um, podcast we had jonathan on our live show last year we did i know they were hoping to have their uws team as the team stated during the draft but they had uh, their their high school so you gotta you gotta pay good. you gotta pay somebody off <laughs> yeah you gotta, you gotta do this yeah. yeah i know where the broadcast booth is do you guys do a bum of the week <laughs> no so uh, we can Jow felix yes. <laughs> tackle. just got three red card three game suspension yeah, yeah. amazing i got I, I got a bum of the week bums the rainers Corey Burke. <laughs> nah, Corey Burke, he hasn't played, so I don't know. It, yeah, it would be the Corey Burke of the week. It's like Shaq and a fool. Oh, my God. The Cor- You're welcome. You can pay me royalties there you later. Go. There you go. All right. Uh, well, the next staple is our On This Day in Soccer History. So, again, I uh, I go through and find something that happened a long time ago. Uh, this was an interesting one because it's actually a double, double On This Day in Soccer History for the same person on the same day. Uh, and it's not Antoine Griezmann? And it's not Antoine Griezmann. It is nice. not Antoine Griezmann. Well, I guess he would be. A, is he a triple now? He's yeah. a triple day of the week or on this day in soccer history. Um, but yeah, so uh, David Moyes, at 34 years old, in 1998, January 13th, 1998, uh, took the first his first match as manager of Preston. Okay. All right. North end or south end? Uh, I think it was just Preston. I don't know. It's a good question. I should have known. Yeah. Well, 22 years later, and, uh, uh, no, sorry, not 22. That wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. 2018. So, yeah, in 2018. So, that would be 20 years later. What are numbers? Right? 20. 98 yeah, 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 20. 20, 20 years later. Um, he became the manager of West Ham. Good job, Davey. Yeah, there you go. Did he win any trophies? And he became the first, the fourth person to record 200 wins, 200 wins as a Premier League manager. Solid. Other three, Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger, uh, Harry Redknapp. The old guys. Yeah. Well, at the time, I think at the, I think now at this point, it's uh, there's. I mean, yeah, Pep, Pep might have. Yeah, Pep, Pep's going to get there. Pep, if he's not Pep already there, he's Pep close. Might've, might've gone he should there. be there. But yeah. So yeah, there you go, David Moyes. Back to back, 2013 or Klopp uh, will January 13th. Probably get there too. Yeah. Thank you for Tim Howard, David. <laughs> Tim Howard scored a goal yeah, a did. couple years ago, last week. I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that uh, what's his name? We don't see more goalkeepers scoring goals. No, I'm surprised. What's it, the Crystal Palace old Crystal Palace coach? Patrick Vieira. No. no uh, uh, Big Sam. No. Uh, yeah, I know you're talking about the older, old, old Ray, 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 Roy Hudson. Ray Hudson, yeah. Surprised he hasn't gotten 200 wins yet. Uh, Crystal Palace, you ain't getting all those wins. That's true. He's also been around the block, too, yeah. with a lot of teams. Um, all right, fair play of the week. So in this award, we uh, want to highlight somebody or people or whatever that have uh, done something good for the for the good of the game, right? The, the idea of fair play yeah. uh, in, in its true, truest meaning. Um, uh, mine is going to go out. I mean, I have a double one. I'm going to do a double. 
Um, I think the United Soccer Coaches uh, staff and volunteers for for the fantastic. Uh, this is my now ninth, eighth or ninth time coming to the convention. It's fantastic. I love it. Uh, now in a different role in this back-to-back years of podcast row where I don't necessarily go to sessions where I sit, uh, we interview people. We get the inside scoop. Yeah, uh, but I, it's, like I said, I mentioned it to somebody yesterday. It's, it's like having one-on-one coaching sessions, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, so a big, a big shout out to, to everybody that's put this entire event together because it definitely, it's not done by one person. It's an entire staff and volunteers. The volunteers are, are phenomenal as well. Um, and I think my second fair play of the week goes out to Luis because even though we came in with a lot of interviews uh, already pre-scheduled Luis has final has, has come in again and uh, in between going in the clutch co- yeah and, and found us some different people and uh, carrying ball bags yeah he's interviews. carrying ball bags and stuff like that so he's doing all kinds of stuff and actually I, as I talk about him he appears it's like he's Beetlejuice man yeah every time we have to take a picture he falls off yeah if I, if I say Luis Barrios three different times he just, just randomly appears uh, so, so yeah, my uh, my fair play of the week goes out to Luis. So. Let's say a uh, shout out to whoever built the convention center in that bathroom, man. I met JP Della Cameron in the bathroom in that interview, so that's my fair play of the week. Yeah, no, I'm good. just kidding. No, uh, ditto on the on the staff, man. They did a phenomenal job. You know, it's it's hard to get. I mean, when you look at the exhibit hall, you got to think about all that stuff people are carrying in and have to set up and arranging and organizing and I'm sure there's been flaws somewhere but I'm not behind the scenes of the convention so I don't see those flaws but it's been a phenomenal convention again for another year um, shout out to our local Delaware staff that are volunteering uh, Bob Bruce and um, the local organizing the lo- Wayne Cox Bob Bruce and the other guys that Leo are Marinello. Leo Marinello um, that are helping you know their their role is to bring in the players and find the teams um, you'll hear that interview soon but shout out to those guys for you know doing that because the demo field would be nothing without teams and the convention would be, would be nothing without players because it's ultimately about coaches coaching players yeah jake you got a fair player league i gotta keep up with the the staff here at the u.s soccer or united soccer convention uh this is my first time here it's been amazing i didn't really know what to expect but i've had the opportunity to interview a bunch of amazing people amazing coaches as someone that's a fan of the game but also a coach myself like you said you're just getting kind of one-to-one coaching opportunities to talk about what they really see about the game so really appreciate uh, i think absalom is the name that comes to mind but all the staff that helped get me over here it's amazing last Um, year man i missed out on an interview with jermaine jones man serious xm he was right across like basically right if you look behind you right across from me and waiting 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 for him to finish his interview and serious xm like was like waiting behind a wall and like snatched him up. Yeah. So I know that would have been great for your national team perspective. There's some big names here. I'm trying to get Alexi and JP on on the podcast this afternoon, but we'll Just see. Use the bathroom, man. You'll run into JP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I gotta gotta figure that out. But uh, no, one one that I really want to call out, which is someone that I interviewed this morning, Tommy Wilson, who's the technical director yep. of the Philadelphia Union Academy. So basically, everything that's not first team is under Tommy Wilson. Yep. And just the way that he was talking about. You know, him taking the risk to move over here. One thing that really stuck out to me, something he said was, you know, if he stuck around at Rangers or in Scotland, his his value could make a 5% difference. But with the growth of the sport in America, if he could come over here and ingrain himself in academy, that means he can make 30, 40%, 50% of a difference. And 
he wasn't interested in the lifestyle. It was all about soccer for him. So shout out to Tommy Wilson, just being someone that's from the area, grew up in the area, was a Red Bull fan, now a Union fan. Like, he might win us a World Cup with some players yeah, he's putting into yeah. the... Uh, Amazing. Like, the Aronsons are... Mackenzie, obviously, everyone comes to mind, but 30 players plus have come out of the Union Academy and signed professional contracts. Thanks Including in part. the guy that stopped the PK <laughs> for LAFC. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, even... Like, when you think about it, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're not just in the Union anymore, right? Yeah. They're, they're out. So um, they're all over the place. So, yeah, yeah, just people that comes have, back like, to bite you sometimes. Amazing, yeah. But that's the thing. Like, that's still amazing that yeah. he had the chance, opportunity to leave the union, still be a professional. That's a huge impact on someone's life. That you know, we we watch these players and we think about them as professional players, but they're humans as well. Yeah, I feel like there's you know a thousand Tommy Wilsons out there that are doing that in the U.S. soccer landscape, but. Especially they're, not that as good as, they're not as good as Tom yeah. Wilson. Yeah. yeah, and that shows through the Union Academy and what impact he has. A hundred percent. Well, Jake, it's absolutely awesome to have you on. We we thank you so much uh, for kicking off our uh, our convention uh, episodes. Uh, you are you are our first first official wow. convention Your guest. First live guest. I'm our honored. First, our first live guest of 2023. No way. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, our our first episode of 2023, I was in Argentina, so it was a pre-recorded interview. Uh, so it's you're our first live or live first what we call live. The episode's gonna go up in two hours, so it's as close to live as we normally get. Amazing. So, Absolutely. So, Thank yeah. you very much for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for joining us this week, and remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs>